0: So uh, if you have a Bible, I hope you'll get it. And uh, I'm going to read a psalm to you. One of the psalms that I love, uh, and I think I love it because I I like all the psalms, but this one is especially one that I enjoy. And it's Psalm 137. And uh, we'll read this psalm. I'll talk a few minutes about it. Uh, And then I'll give a benediction and we can close our time together this morning. A little background on Psalm 137. This psalm was written sometime after the fall of Jerusalem and the people of uh, Judea had been carried away captive to Babylon uh, and were now enslaved and they were living in a foreign land. Uh, They were slaves and and, uh, had been depopulated from their native land and relocated to a place where they didn't know the language or or anything else. Many, many, uh, perhaps hundreds of thousands, who knows, uh, were killed or died because of pestilence and disease and the sword of war. Um, Other families were torn apart. It's actually beyond imagining. It's it's like something you would see in a movie. Uh, In our lifetime, in many of our lifetimes, we did... uh, Either you were alive during the, the the World War II and the Holocaust, or perhaps uh, shortly thereafter, like me, I, I, I can remember uh, it was just 10 years. I was born 10 years after World War II ended. And so all those things were fresh in people's minds. Movies, television, radio programs all still continue to talk about this enormous change that happened uh, and Europe devastated. The United States, of course, uh, was not devastated on our own land, but uh, we lost many, many lives, and the world changed a lot. This is the context of Psalm 137. So hear the Word of God, listen to it, and and there's some very disturbing uh, things in this Psalm, and I'll explain a little bit more about it uh, as we get into it. So hear the Word of God. By the waters of Babylon, where, there we sat down and wept, and we remembered Zion. On the willows there, we hung out our lyres, our harps. For there, our captors required of us songs, and our tormentors mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. Let my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth. If I do not remember you, if I do not set Jerusalem above my highest joy, remember, O Lord, against the Edomites the day of Jerusalem, how they said, lay it bare, lay it bare down to its foundations. O daughter of Babylon, doomed to be destroyed, Blessed shall you with what you have done to us. Blessed shall he be who takes your little ones and dashes them against the rock. This is the word of the Lord. There's so much pathos and, and emotion in this psalm, it's quite remarkable. The Seen as a group of people there by, probably the Tigris-Euphrates River that runs through uh, that part of the uh, uh, of the ancient Near East, and still there today. They're being mocked by their tormentors uh, to sing, to have mirth, uh, to entertain them. Uh, it, it's hard to imagine how that must have felt—the degradation—and uh, uh, the horror of being uh, completely powerless, being made fun of, being mocked, being uh, tortured mentally, perhaps physically, we don't know. But these people uh, uh, were probably forced to sing these songs and to uh, do their dances and, and to uh, be made fools of by their captors. And then in verse four, you see that they, Uh, are speaking internally, we're getting to see or hear their voice from the inside. How shall we sing? They're asking this rhetorical question. How can we do this when we're in a foreign land? And what that meant was not, it was indeed a foreign land, but they're talking about Jerusalem and Zion as being special, not because of its geographical location on a map, but because it was the place where God was present and in their current circumstances, although God is everywhere and we know that, that he's omnipresent. Uh, there's that special presence that was promised to them where they could not experience, forget you, let my right hand forget its skill. They're saying we, we would rather be uh, devoid of our skill and our abilities to sing or to speak or to do anything if we can't be in your presence, instead we're here enslaved and uh, you can feel their heartache. Then in uh, verse seven, they transition and bring what is called an imprecation against their enemies, the Edomites who were their distant cousins, the uh, uh, descendants of Esau, the brother of Jacob, uh, had been instrumental in their destruction, where you would think your relatives would come into your life and try to help, save, uh, protect. Edom was always an adversary. And here we see that these people who are writing this beautiful psalm are bringing the judgment of God rightly deserved by the Edomites and reminding God of justice. and. Every one of us cry, I mean, our hearts long for justice. Our hearts long, uh, long for uh, right uh, to be prevailed over wrong. Uh, no one likes to look on the news and see somebody got away with something. Or, And often we're just not patient enough to wait and see how things will happen. We want instant justice. God is very patient. Imagine that. Imagine if he brought justice to you or me uh, every time we deserved it within a few moments of our our sin. If he brought judgment to us, what a world. You'd already be gone, and you'd already be dead, and you'd be living in constant fear. But instead, God says, I am a God of patience, long-suffering, a God of compassion and mercy to a thousand generations and so we can see god's posture and yet we know that sin is going to be judged in the end uh, so they pray an imprecation now when you see this in scripture does it mean that well we don't pray imprecations anymore absolutely but the way that you can use this type of thing is to say you know lord there my enemies are out there this terrible virus is afflicting our planet. Please bring your your restraining judgment against this affliction. Protect our people. Protect our population of our country of our world. Now it's global. I mean, there's no there's no borders to a virus. There's no national. There's no political parties. Uh, none of that. It's all gone. And in a moment, we are all human all vulnerable to this terrible disease. And it should wake us up to the reality that we are all the same. We all have the same needs. We're all broken. We need something from the outside to come in a vaccine. We'll talk about that in a minute. How should we sing the Lord's song? If I forget you, let my tongue stick to my... They're 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 broken. Their hearts are broken. And who... Do you know that it's not had a broken heart from the littlest child to the eldest person? Everyone goes through periods of suffering and brokenness times of uncertainty like this times when you don't know. I mean, the virus may go away. Who knows what's going to happen to uh, the stock market, the economy, people's job Who's going to get your jobs back. We have no idea. We're on the, we're on the very Uh, first steps into a whole other world. And if you don't have something that is transcendent, something that will last, then all your hopes and all your dreams are here. I was texting with a dear friend yesterday about uh, the suffering that we see all around us and and, uh, how it's impossible to understand. And I've been thinking about, there is no way to understand suffering we see in our world. This virus the suffering these people in Psalm 137 uh, experienced a horrific uh, destruction of an entire country, an entire nation, and millions taken away into captivity, and the, the, the their whole land turned into a desolation. Hard to even imagine such suffering. How do you understand anything like that? And I have to say, in all honesty, folks, that Christianity... Uh, offers answers, but not every answer that may satisfy you. And if you say, I can't understand this, I'm with you. I don't understand it. At the same time, Christianity is not ever meant to be understood without two things. One is the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. You can make no sense of this world unless you look long and hard at Jesus on the cross. And the second thing is you must look long and hard at the resurrection. If you don't plug the resurrection into everything you read in scripture, then as one of my professors used to tell us, the gospel over promises and underperforms, it will be an absolute disappointment because the losses that we experience, as these people did, can never be recovered. If you've lost a loved one, never recovered. If you've lost a job, maybe never get it back. If you've lost your health, you may never be completely healed and well again, the way that you hope you could be. And in the end, we all die. And so where is the hope of any religion? And only Christianity says this, that we live in an already and a not yet creation. The already is that sin has ravaged our planet, ravaged our lives actually. But something else happened. Jesus came into this world, took on our flesh. Exposed himself to the contagion of sin and darkness and death. Overcame that darkness and that death. And if you want to understand Christianity, you have to understand it in that context. Without the cross and without the com- without the resurrection, the gospel, the truth of scripture overpromises and underperforms. But if it's true... If Jesus went to the cross, if he paid the ultimate price for our sins, if in fact he rose from the dead, then everything that you've lost, every person you loved, everyone, you're going to get that back. You'll get it back. You'll get them back. You'll get the The abundance of things that we that we crave and sometimes worship money and and things those will be returned to us, but in a different way. It'll be returned to us because we will be returned to the presence of our God, which is the longing that you see in this beautiful psalm, their hearts so traumatized that they pray an imprecation, imprecation that, that's disturbing. They're saying, you know, if we could get our hands on, on the people that afflicted us, we would we would destroy them. If we could get our hands on their children, we would crush them. And that's put there so that we can understand the depth of their sorrow. And sometimes you just need Enough suffering and trial to come into your life to get you to that point where the hurt is so intense that you would almost strike out at anyone and anything to be well again. God knows that about us. He knows there's injustice. He knows that the virus doesn't care who it's going to afflict. And sin doesn't care. And death doesn't care. It wants us all and it wants us completely. But the question is, will you trust the one who took the crushing blow that we see here against the Edomites, against the children, against the, all the judgment that should have come on these people, maybe didn't come on them at that time. It went on to Christ that the people that that destroyed our Lord Jesus, Those are the people that deserve judgment. And yet he himself prayed, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And who are those Edomites? Who are those people? Who are these tormentors of the innocent? Folks, if you don't see yourself in that, you don't understand Christianity. We live in a land flowing with milk and honey Going through Costco the other day, pushing my cart with my supplies. Most people were in good humor. Most people were happy and doing well and trying to help one another. But there were others who were going through there with anger. and Their their carts piled up to the sky with stuff. But they're mad and they're angry and they're vicious. How incongruity is there? You have to put up with a little inconvenience to have a cart full of food? Insane. And that's what sin will do to us, it takes us to a delusional place where we don't understand reality. And we're all gonna lose something in this terrible time. I don't know what, health, money, who knows? If that's the only thing that's important, and if you don't know that you're gonna recover that, not in goods, not in having better cars and more money, but in a person, the person of Jesus, then you will you will be in a rage, and, and not understand why they're suffering. I don't know why they're suffering, but I know who suffered ultimately and completely for me. And that was Jesus Christ. And I hope that at this time, you will trust him. Will you do it? I hope you will. So thanks uh, for being with us and let's take a moment now and pray uh, and then, Maybe we can chat a little bit on the internet here. I I'm not sure. We've never done this. So, but let's pray together and uh, and then I'll have a benediction. And if you gotta jump off and go do some things, it's gonna be a beautiful day. Um, if you get out in your yard, work in your yard, enjoy the day, make some pancakes, have a good time with your family. Um And stay in touch with your church and your people. Someone will be calling. We're already calling through the directory every day, uh, trying to keep touch with everybody. So uh, give us your contact information. If you don't get a call, it's because we don't know how to get in touch with you, uh, either by email or phone or some other means. So uh, let's avail ourselves of those technological miracles so that we can talk and and be together during this uh, next few weeks, maybe months. We don't know. Um, So let's take a moment and pray. Father, uh, we do love you. We're so very grateful that you uh, took this suffering of ours serious enough to come and enter in. And to lose your own son so that everything that we have lost can be returned to us as he was from the grave. The resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ changed everything. And now we can have hope for the future, that all that we have lost will be returned and restored, not the material goods, but the things that are real. All those people, those loved ones that we long for, we will get them back. And the beauty of a creation that is uh, that we can be in sync with instead of being at odds with will be restored and made even more glorious and more importantly our relationship with you will be one that is totally renewed and so intimate that you will be our husband we will be your bride be with us in these hard times lord we know you will and we ask that you would surround everybody with peace and comfort in jesus name amen Well, folks, I'm going to read a benediction, and if you're at home with your family and friends, uh, or if you're by yourself, I would uh, invite you to lift up your hands, receive this word from the Lord. May the Lord give you increase, both you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. Amen. And go and stay in peace.